punks, go on my pub! Hello and welcome one and all you good-looking fuckers to Punks in Pubs podcast. My name is still Liam Bird and thank you for making the right choice in downloading this podcast. I hope you've all been well since the last time we spoke. Me, I went to France and realised I'm getting fat, so I ate more to kind of hide my pain and no one's told me that that's a bad idea yet, so I'm just going to keep doing that. I'm just going to become fat, I've decided. Uh, there's no point in being skinny anymore. Skinny is uh, not working well for me anymore. Uh, I feel fat is the way to go. Thanks for hearing me out. I felt like I needed a soundboard then. I don't know why I talked about my fucking weight gain. Anyway, Liam, I hear you cry. What are you talking about, you fatty little fuck? Tell us who you have on the podcast. Well, episode 12 is the fruits of my travel out to Bristol, where I met up with the frontman of Bristol Punk Saviors Idols, lead singer Joe Talbot. When I reached out to talk to Joe, I must admit, I was a little intimidated because some of the interviews I've seen of him, he can be a little, well, let's say cheeky. And that is actually something we do talk about, uh, him being a bit cheeky. But I found Joe to be extremely knowledgeable and a driven person who I really actually just enjoyed listening to. I found him fascinating and I hope you do too. This chat took place in early May at the time when Joe was creating art for the highly anticipated Idols album number two. In this chat, you will hear me and Joe talk about shitty towns that we both grew up in and the raw anger that can sometimes come from living from these places. Joe talks about his passion for hip-hop while growing up and we also find out why Half an Inch makes all the difference. Of course, we talk about Idols and the birth of the band. We also find out which bandmate he would save uh, if if they were on fire and he answers very quickly a little harshly quickly in my opinion but anyway joe opens up about his passion on being on stage which can sometimes come across as anger he also talks about the effects of writing personal music that sometimes he's not ready to speak out loud uh plus other stuff just just fucking listen as always stick around to the end as this week's band come from east london and they're quite good but before all that enjoy this this is episode 12 of Punks and Pubs with Idols, Joe Talbot. Enjoy. How many optimists does it take to change a light bulb? None. The butler changes the light bulb. Always poor, never bored. The SLC one, Timmy student loan back. He'd happily oblige, but he's speaking into the mic is that all right yeah great right okay uh sunny bristol uh sat in front of joe in a uh, a calf called kino is this your regular calf joe uh no, I, I don't really have a regular place anymore because um I don't, i'm not really here much certainly i've got time to socialize but if i could choose to yes this would be where i would Hang i on. love the space i like natural light it's got loads of natural light flooding in it's a nice place to get some work done yeah, I mean, a lot of the buildings, I was walking down here, I'm not from Bristol, obviously, uh, walking down here, a lot of these like, shops, they have massive windows with big, like, yeah, like open spaces like this. Is this quite regular? In, uh, uh, no, not really. Um, 
No. no. That's why I like it. It feels like one of the only places that, that that you can have this sort of space. It's actually a co-op as well, which is nice. Oh, really? Yeah, it's cooperative. Um, it used to be over the street, where that yellow fronted place is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, so it's for a good cause, and I like the setup. I like a good booth. Yeah, everyone loves a booth. Yeah, man. So, yeah, I love it here. And it got a little theatre downstairs. Yeah, because I walked down there, I think the toilet was down there, and clearly it's not. But um, is it quite a big space? No. How many people can you fit down there? 50, probably. Yeah. Have you, have you performed down no, there? No, I wanted to, but um, never got the opportunity. David Thomas Broughton played here recently. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Get some good artists and that. So... First off, thanks for doing this. Uh, Pleasure. How, how do you find interviews? Are you, are you quite easy going with interviews? Yes. Yeah. Because it's something I'm guessing now since um, Battleism, a lot of people are asking for interviews because of that album's done so fantastically well. Like, yeah. Do you find it monotonous? No. No? No. It's, no. Like, if, it, if I've got a boring interviewer, yeah. I make it interesting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you, you know, you only have to do it once. Um, and normally, you know, people are quite mindful of what they ask. Yeah. There's been a couple that have been awful, but like, well, it's, it's 10 minutes of my life. And it is, you know, I got, to, I got to appreciate and understand why I'm there, which is to be a spokesperson for the art that we're doing. And um, that I'm privileged enough that people are interested in what I've got to say, which is a, is a gift. Mm. So, I don't know, you just got to be grateful for everything like that. I think if you don't, then you're probably in the wrong line of work yeah, yeah, yeah certainly not a passion if you can't stick five to 15 minutes of your time with someone who's a bit dull well i'm hoping our time together isn't too dull well good luck challenge accepted so okay let's start with august story star in the in the beginning you grew up in exeter yeah uh how was that music wise because i find that Shit. region of the world yeah it's forgotten about isn't it like yeah. bands they kind of come to bristol and stop well i mean when i grew up there the the they were like it was a really small place. It's a small. It's a city, but it's not a city. It's a town. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And um, the subcultures were kind of like high street subcultures. There's nothing that was coined or born in Exeter. It was all just what what they saw on the TV. And like, so you had a lot of like, uh, you had a marine base nearby. So there's a lot of um, like real rough. It's like a it's like a fishbowl. And everyone just, there's nothing to do there. There's no art or music or anything. So everyone kind of goes out and gets pissed. And it's quite a violent place mm. because of that. I mean, everything closes at half one. So you've got loads of drunk, frustrated, bored people um, that are all bottlenecked out of this club at the same time. There's two places to go, Timepiece and the Cavern. And, um, like, I mean, the Cavern's great. Timepiece is awful. And, you know, you just got all these kind of rubbish, unimaginative things going on that just don't cultivate anything other than wanting to go out and get pissed or wanting to leave Exeter. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of towny kind of culture, you know, like that sort of thing, which I was part of. Um, the, one, the one scene that I thought was quite refreshing was the, like, um, the pop punk scene there's some good pop punk bands that came out of Exeter like Brat and other bands I don't know but I mean the main thing is like it was still like very much because it was on 
the TV. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that new that came from Exeter, and I couldn't wait to leave by the end. Like, I never want to go back. I don't want to step foot in it, really. Yeah. I'd, other to, to play. I played there, like, every gig we've had, it's just been dead. Like, my mates can't even be bothered. My, my old schoolmates and that can't be bothered to come. I don't know. It's just a shithole. No, no, no. I understand because I come from a town called Newark and I have the same feeling. Like every time I go back to Newark, I, I just don't want to be there. I, it's, it's, it's a town where about it, everyone's got a bit of a chip on the shoulder. If you leave, it's like you've left us. Like, right. don't, don't come back. That's, yeah. that's the feeling I get about Newark. I don't know if it's the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't go back. So I don't know. I don't know. Like my mates um, that still live there, I'm in contact with, they're great. Like, yeah. I love them. Like, I think places that are like full of narrow-minded kind of conveyor belt lifestyle types they um they breed people that have to use their imagination to have fun so there's a lot of people that kind of are like-minded in the sense that they know that this is probably not the best place to live but you make the best of it it's Mm. devon so there's lots of fields and beautiful countryside around and we used to go surfing in croydon and other places like Woolacombe and stuff but like I don't know it's just like they're, they're great my, my old friends and that like but I I, I I wouldn't have ever stayed yeah like yeah, yeah. I, I would I wouldn't have been able to stay I would have gone insane you were saying like Exeter nothing new comes out of Exeter where did you find your musical inspiration then if like was oh, it Bristol I, I didn't I, I wasn't involved in music at all not at all no was your family musical like did, no, did they enjoy da- music yeah, my dad loves music. He, he was uh, he's an artist, so okay. So I had like I grew up around someone who instilled uh, a drive for their own passion, which is great. He's a very hardworking man, yeah. Um, and he works hard for something that is beautiful and healthy and creative. Yeah. So I think it's what drove me to where I am now, partly. Um, but music. Yeah, music. I, was, I just loved hip hop. I was obsessed with hip hop growing up. Who, who? Name some artists. Who, who, what were the artists that you were listening to? Uh, Far Side, Wu Tang. I was trying to think back then. Christ, just uh, anyone that was around. Yeah, Cameron. Yeah. Uh, who else did I love? I'm trying to think back in. Well, Biggie Smalls. Um, Jay Z, yep. obviously. Um, Farrah Munch is probably one of the, my favourite MCs. It's kind of unsung. He's he's probably one of my top MCs. Most deaf. Um, Did you ever try non-fiction stuff like that? Like, Did you ever try rap? Like, was it something that you would try? I beatboxed. Yeah. Like, but I mean, that was it. I, yeah. I, I never tried to rap. I don't know. It, like, I think I've I've always been conscious of my limitations, and I think like UK hip hop has always bored me. Roots Maneuver was great. Um, there's a guy called fuck a life okay. to a producer but he had a really good album uh, but yeah like UK hip hop to me was just a bit weird mm-hmm. like I think the, the, one of the issues I have with UK hip hop is that they're obsessed with the fact that it's UK hip hop we're UK we're UK fuck US hip hop and it's all about being conscious and I think the beautiful thing about being an artist is that you take control of your medium and you create the colours and the narrative yourself. Yeah. You don't get dictated to by what you're supposed to be by the status quo of what you love. It shouldn't be restrictive. Genres shouldn't be restrictive. 
like oil paint shouldn't be restrictive. It's, it's the idea of art and music is that it's a blank canvas, and you're you're it's supposed to be a diary or a catharsis or um, a complete lie. It could be a complete swindle, but if it's a beautiful swindle, then it's great. Yeah. But you don't allow yourself to be dictated to what you're supposed to sound like, what you're supposed to look like. And I think, I think UK hip hop and a lot of other genres of music, um, people fall short of themselves because they're obsessed with what what they're told is correct. No tags. to your band Idols in the sense that Idols has tried to be labelled quite a lot you've got like post-punk punk art-punk yeah. and all stuff like that does that annoy you? it doesn't annoy me like I, I think I think I'd be a very privileged soul if something like that annoyed me but like <laughs> it's it, I don't I don't get why people are I, I say we're a post-punk band because it if you talk about genre you're, you know, you're classifying your art so that people can understand it as a dialogue. You go, well, I'm a musician. They go, oh, yeah, what kind of music? You're not yeah. going to go, hey, man, I'm not about genres, yeah, just listen. Because that's what assholes would say. You just go, well, we kind of sound a bit like heavy Joy Division, you yeah. know? There's yeah, no yeah. harm in that. But I'm not going to go home and write songs based on what I think that person I spoke to earlier in the day wants me to sound like. Yeah. So like it's it's great as a, as a as a stepping stone to to discussing your music like why the fuck not but I think like you know like I always find that there's it's kind of like a bit sad when people are like oh um, I think you'll find that's industrial techno <laughs> and I'm like oh, I don't yeah, give yeah. a fuck mate yeah, yeah, yeah. like I really like that album I don't care what you think it is classed as like who gives a shit mm. but as a discussion it's good to know there's comparatives so you understand where you're starting from like beyond that like. I don't know. Like, everything's derivative, you know? Like, you learn your taste and you learn your language. I was watching a documentary last night on Francis Bacon, and, like, I didn't realise how open he was about how heavily influenced by Picasso he was. He yeah. was, like, very open about it. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. A lot of people these days are quite quite um, hard on themselves to not, not allow people to see where they've been influenced in their yeah. art. You know, like, you know... I just listened to the, the new Car Seat Headrest album and it's like, he was clearly obsessed with the Strokes at the time. And like, but that's great. Like, I love the Strokes and I think he's taken his music to a great level and a great, 
Like that was he, he wrote this the, the album he's just released. He wrote ages ago. It's like a re-release almost, a rewritten version of okay, that yeah. from his teenage years. And like you know, it's great. I think it's great, and I think it's healthy to understand where you come from as a, as a way of using it as a tool to 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 try and expand your vocabulary visually as a visual thing or, or as a as an audible thing. You know, yeah, like. Yeah. You invent and coin new phrases. If if you understand the language you have at the time, you can build on that and and branch out and and literally invent new shit. But you know, I think we're heavily influenced by post punk. I think we're heavily influenced by punk. I'm heavily influenced by hip hop. I think I'm heavily influenced by jungle um, and by grime and garage and R and B. I wish I could sing like Oh It's Redding. Um, <laughs> But I think maturity comes when you understand your limitations and you develop your language as you go and you build on what you know and what you love and then you create your own, di- your own dialect yeah. from, from the words you already understand. So, yeah. So, I mean, people discussing our band as a genre or whatever, like, great. Because we're clearly not a folk band, so I'm not going to cry. No, yeah. Never say never. No, 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 no. Hey, well, I love folk, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to cry about it. Fuck's sake, life's too short. Let's talk a bit about punk and post-punk. Like you said, you, you've mentioned Georgia Vision. Um, what other bands like have you listened to, and you've gone, oh, I, I, I fucking like that is my that is my jam. Like, I love that album. Have you got an album that you constantly played that was in the genre of punk or post-punk? Uh. Post-punk or punk, or even hardcore. I mean, if that's if that's your thing as well. Hardcore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I used to listen to like like um, for Gazy and stuff. Or like not not particularly um, post-punk or punk as an album. So you put me on the spot now. I mean, I think mo- the, mo- the, the the most heavily influential albums that I listened to that kind of influenced where I wanted to go stylistically would be Turn on the Bright Lights Capture Release by the Rakes Is This It by the Strokes Um, so it's kind of like those albums have that drive um, like a a unified drive between Mm. the the guitar riffs (coughs) and the rhythm section so yeah I mean beyond that I mean fuck me loads of albums What, what I'm one of those people that goes blank when you ask them to listen. That's right. Um, I think from post-punk, it would be um, uh, Entertainment by Gang of Four. Uh, it's one of the bigger, bigger, bigger albums that I, I really shaped the way I want a guitar to sound tonally. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Mm, Bauhaus's bass lines. Yeah. I think like the way because they're so sparse. And the space in their songs is kind of carried by their bass lines. And I think that's really important. And I think bass is the most important instrument for me. Um, so, yeah, Bauhaus. Uh, I tell you what. Yeah. I mean, this, this, I mean I, next question kind of leads on to that, really. Because I know that you used to DJ with your band, mate. Yeah. Um, was there any music that like, you used to do in indie night, right? Indie yeah. punk rock. Yeah. What was the song that you would put on where you knew everyone would fall to the dance floor? Like, if, if things were going shit and you're like... Okay, it, it would be really depressing out. if I said, like, Beyonce now. <laughs> uh, no, well, 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 mate, and loads of shit, man. Like, uh, I mean, the rap by the Walkman, I'd always play that. They're one of the most influential bands for me. 
there's one like because I, I I didn't you know those uh, those easy songs you put on because no one's on the dance floor you're yeah. guaranteed to fill it like. I can list them, but like that's every every but indie DJ the, has that. But what's but the, the one song that, you're playing after that one? What's the song you're playing? That you've got everyone there now, and you want to kind of expand your taste onto them, but you don't want to alienate, alienate people. Roland by um, Interpol was always a good one. Horror Show by Libertines. Um, Disorder by Joy Division. Those are like fucking. But like now, when I'm DJing, it would be like. Death Grips <laughs> um, but yeah back then like there's a track I discovered recently I think it's one of the best songs of all time um, called Negative by A-Frames okay I've not heard it it's fucking amazing it's amazing so that's one I play now but like I mean fuck me I, it's been so long since I DJed properly I DJed the other night at Propaganda and it was an absolute mudslide of it it was no one was enjoying it apart from me yeah um i was i was so devastated because i used to be able to keep keep a dance floor all night it's an art it is an art to, to, to yeah keep you, that going. You, it's not like riding a bike i think i'd have to go back but also under i underestimated the audience at propaganda like they wanted mr brightside and i was never going to play mr brightside <laughs> but i thought oh they booked me because i'm in idols so i can play stuff that has influenced us i come up with this whole set where it's like i start on a on a riff and then i build it up um i can't remember what i started on but oh peaches yeah uh, that um fuck the pain away that's the song that i'd always yeah. feel the dance floor with that stuff but like, i played like stuff like that stuff that kind of and then i was gonna the second hour no second half hour I was going to uh, build it with like new stuff that I'm into now and like kind of have a journey of where where we came from as a as a club night and a band and where where it's gone mm. and where I think other people have come in the same direction um, but like literally two songs in and they look like they wanted to fucking kill me <laughs> Date night Date night I've got no goddamn patience But I tried to shake some Shake it up But I shook myself to bottom Best friend I do not like your best friend On all the shades of grey Yuck They turn my blood so cold 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 When it comes around We barely scream or shout The question that you're going to be answering all your life, how did the band get together? Because there are going to be some people who might not have heard of Idol. Um, so it's a nice story. Well, yeah, like we, we were doing Batcave. Uh, it's like indie post-punk night. 
um, where we just played kind of B-sides and proto-typical songs of, of the current music. So mm. things that clearly influenced all the songs that were being, being played in the clubs at that point. So, you know, like where instead of just playing the rakes, you play where the rakes got their sound from, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like old garage, garage punk tunes and old post-punk tunes and punk and all that stuff. So it was a great mix of music. But after a while, I kind of found that, like, you know, I started to mix and I started to really get a grasp of DJing properly uh, as an art form. And then I realised, like, I love music. It was, like, something that's always been there, like, forever. Like, I didn't realise how obsessed with music I was because I never thought of being a musician because I didn't have the patience to learn an instrument at all. I just haven't got the patience for it. And then I, I just thought, fuck it, I'll sing in a band. Like, well, why not? Um... So Dev, the guy I was doing the, the night with, back cave with, um, I was like, let's start a band. So I knew he played bass, and he was like, yeah, all right. So we just got together in his bedroom, and it's like I sang into a lampshade, and he just like played these, probably bass lines from other bands. Um, and why yeah. a lampshade? I was didn't have a mic, and I just needed something to practice singing into. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know why, um, but I, f- I thought we were the best band in the world, like straight away. And we weren't. We were fucking shit. Um, and then we asked a friend of ours who drummed, John, who was in Cooper Temple Claws and CSS. And he, he obliged happily. Uh, and then we lo- like looked for guitarists uh, and struggled, really. We had a guy who was too bluesy, one guy who was too jazzy. And then we found Bowen. Bowen thought he was b- going to be the singer. <laughs> even though I clearly said that I was yeah. a singer and he turned up and was like walking towards the mic and I'm like fuck are you doing back off <laughs> um, so yeah got him on and he was great you know he didn't know how to play guitar very well um, but he liked making noises that worked well with, with Dev's bass lines mm. and that was it and then like later on we realised we need a second guitarist uh, got Andy involved and then he after a few years couldn't handle the bullshit which is fair enough yeah um, and then so what's we the found bullshit? Sorry. bullshit, you know, the bullshit, the, the, Time, the six distance. hours every Sunday yeah. night where everyone else is having a roast during practice yeah. every Sunday. And, you know, most, most band life is about putting in loads of hours for nothing, playing to five people. That's most people's story. You don't get beyond that normally. Mm. That's, that's how it is. Um, which is great for me. Like, I didn't give a fuck. I, li- I like playing to five people and I like what we were doing. Um, and I like the idea that we, I knew we had to progress and I knew we, we weren't good enough yet. And I like that journey. Whereas I think Andy was patient enough to see where the potential we had because he wasn't so into the music. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then we got Lee, who is great. He's a, he's a wonderful, magic human being. Okay, let's, let's play this game. Adam, Mark, Lee, John, in a fire. Go save one of them. Lee. <laughs> not even not even waiting just instantly no no leave. fuck that no no I'd, why, why leave him I'd make sure the door was locked after that <laughs> um, no why Lee why Lee because yeah. he's an earnest human being that works really hard um, he's very honest and he has turned his life around as a recovered alcoholic um, and he's an inspiration to me and I think anyone who's worked that hard to turn their life around deserves a second chance from a fire whereas 
the other three don't in this context yeah, yeah, yeah. like over Lee yeah talk a bit about you then so sadly I've never actually seen Idols play uh, live but I, I've watched a couple of your YouTube clips and um, something that struck me straight away is your stage presence and, I, and it's right. something that's come up constantly uh, when asking you questions and I don't want you to take this the wrong way but whenever I watched you you reminded me of Bill Hicks the comedian uh-huh. in the way that you would own the stage and okay. you're not ag- like aggressive but you are intimidating and it's kind of like do you dare step into where I am right now? Yeah. What, is that something that came like naturally to you, or is it something that you've worked on with like, um, your stage presence? I think like I've always, I've always felt like um, kind of like an egotistical feeling of I deserve to be here, even when I was shit. Um, but I think now I'm less apologetic when I mess, make mistakes mm. because I. I realised that, like, I'm really grateful to be there and happy to be there. Um, and I think the songs are, are a lot more expressive of, of what I want to say and how I feel. So with that in mind, like, it's just a lot more honest and a lot more natural. Yeah. So when I fuck up, I'm like, well, it's fine because I'm just being honest and people fuck up. So I think that the whole relationship I have with the audience is a lot more... Uh, visceral and honest and it just comes across how I want it to come across which is I want to be here yeah. and I've worked really hard to be here thank you for coming like the intimidated side of it I mean that, that's that's other people's perceptions I think when, once you've spoken to me and, and you listen to the lyrics like you know I'm not going to like I'm not a violent man like I might look like a violent man but but often the people that jump on stage are like these kind of like bolshy, over masculine kind of laddie twats. Mm. But you know they want to be on stage. Let them be on stage. It's their stage as well as mine. In fact, they've paid to be there, so it's probably more their stage than mine. Um, but you know what? Like, yeah, I think, I think my persona, as it were, as it's perceived, is is exactly who I am when I'm on stage yep. um, which is the songs and, and like I, I've learned to unlearn performance like it, the best thing you can do as a performer is not think about your performance like and that goes with writing as well you just got to unlearn everything you've learned as a human and what it is to write you just got to be yourself yeah. which, which comes from switching off almost automatic so I don't know. I, I I I will never sit and analyse what I'm like on stage, but I can understand. That, okay. and there's a lot of there's a lot of pain and a lot of there's a lot to go through in our songs. Yeah. So like, it probably does come across as quite angry, but it's not anger. It's just um, it's just it's it is just it's a it's a it's a guttural it's a visceral thing yeah it's not it's not i am angry girl look at me fuck the world it's that's that's what a, that's what a, a face looks like when it's got got a lot coming out hmm. you know you don't smile when you're giving birth to new ideas you know like that's contemplative and i'm not there to sit and think i'm there to express so it it looks how it how how it should look and yeah I, like I, I never want anyone to feel scared or worried at my shows, or our shows, sorry. Um, because 
it's supposed to be we are supposed to be the adjudicators of a very safe place where the music is a dialogue we're, we're there to listen as well and everyone's welcome and I think that's that's where we're, we're trying to go with our music is to become the the, the, the voices of inclusivity and ex, a, a place of of freedom yeah to express whatever you want to express as, as long as it doesn't impede on anyone else's expression Tarquin has a job Mary Berry's got a job So why don't you get a job? Well done Why don't you win a medal? Even Tarquin wins a medal Mary Berry's got a medal So why don't you get a medal? Well done I'd rather cut my nose off To spy my band you're quite an honest band yeah and when you're writing uh you're clearly writing about things that are quite personal and sometimes yeah. painful yeah uh, have you ever written anything down and just got i'm not ready i'm not ready to say that out loud yet and then just kind of put it to one side yeah or is everything you have okay yeah so how is that process how like is it a case of i'm ready but the person i'm speaking about is not ready oh no what is the process of it no like i wouldn't ever do it because of the the audience i think the audience are capable like i don't know if you've ever had that thing where you don't you you have a lot of problems on your mind you have issues on your mind going through life and you 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 feel like you need to share it but you know you have that moment where you you, you've got these really dark thoughts and you're sat with a friend and you you are now they they don't want to hear that you know they're having a whatever it's bullshit. Any friend you have, as long as they are a friend, are capable of hearing anything and helping you through it. That's, that's a fact. But you, you often put that weight on yourself as, as you see yourself as a burden and your emotions as a burden, which is bullshit. Um, so I would never... I would never... Um, miss, you know, like, I would never underestimate our audience like that. But I know what I'm capable of singing and what I'm not. And there's certain things where I just think... Um, I'm not sure if it would be healthy to to, to repeatedly, because I, I I do feel those things when I sing them, and I do think those things when I sing them, um, and there are certain things that I just wouldn't be able to cope with every show, and I think that's fair enough because the whole part the whole part of I, I, I've been in counselling and the whole part part of counselling is being able to offload um, and understand where you are and why you are the way you are at that point but sometimes it's not healthy to just keep reassessing every night well yeah because um, that, so, that is what you're doing isn't it you, you're yeah. literally talking about some of the worst moments every night every night every night yeah it, yeah, it can't be good for your own no I mean the, the, it, yeah it also depends on how it's coming out and what you're saying like I think a lot of the things that I sing about that are very personal are also allegorical and the reason why you know, people can relate, and the reason why I can sing it every night is that I'm not reliving the death of my mother every show. It's about 
it's about the processes of understanding the death of a mother and, and, and the, the understanding, you know, mother in particular as a song. It's about going through the processes of understanding womanhood as a man, as a, as a, as a white, sink, straight male. Yeah. I wouldn't call myself straight, but, like, you know. So, with that in mind... You know that that's fine, but some sometimes my openness lyrically is just a bit too selfish, and it would be unproductive for myself and my audience to say to sing certain lyrics. My mother worked fifteen hours, five days a week. My mother worked sixteen hours, six days a week. My mother worked seventeen hours, seven days. year and fantastic album thanks love it for me i found out about idols through a piece in the guardian talking about political punk and uh, your song mother happened to be there okay um i didn't know the guardian ever spoke of the word idols before have you not thank god for that <laughs> so let's talk about people like me who have kind of jumped on as let's going's got good Let's say that, okay? So you, you well, shows... that's that's normally when people jump on because you know you, if the going's not going good, you're not in the Guardian. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, I'm, what I'm I mean, sure though. there's like, some people who are you can't you can't criticise people for for not knowing about a small band in Bristol if you're not in Bristol. That's how it works. But how have you taken that? Because from a small band in Bristol to now getting national recognition and your album number two is coming out and it's been eagerly anticipated by big music magazines rightfully so <laughs> so I mean but how do you deal with that because like, it is it's got to be like you can't kind deal of, with it man it's just, just for your management and for your booking agents to deal with what, what does it matter to me well, I mean but it must be for like even your ego like it's it's I, swelling it? it keeps swelling it's, it's, it's keeping there's no the room ground. for my ego to swell like it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's done like I, I'm a very self-confident self-made human I say self-made I've been carried by my friends and family a lot in my life I am I'm a product of forgiveness and a product of hard work from other parties as well as myself like I don't need to apologize for where I am I'm grateful of where I am all the fucking time so it makes me happy that um, our music is recognized as something worthwhile I'm grateful. That's it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make me more confident. I already knew that I loved my lyrics because it was, it was helping me. That's all I needed. The lyrics were there. I was writing songs before it and before the album that were also cathartic and political at the same time. I'm writing songs afterwards. Like, the success of the album is just giving us the opportunity to make our part-time jobs more part-time and our audience is bigger 
And the more it grows, the more I realise that there's so many beautiful people out there that are open-minded and willing to listen and discuss and talk and give me feedback, and I give them feedback. You know, like, I don't know. I, I don't need to deal with the success of it because I'm not our manager. Like, the logistics of it is the only thing it really affects. Like, our art shouldn't be affected by it. It should always be progressive and situational. Um, so, yeah. I mean, but that, that album never, nearly didn't come out, from what I understand from other interviews. It, 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 oh, it was always coming out. Oh, really? It just, okay. it, I mean, it, it's just it, difficult it was, to make. It was self-released. Like, um, we, we nearly weren't a band. Like, we, before the album was made, we were just, like, flogging a dead horse, really. But I wasn't flogging a dead horse, but I think some of the other guys were. Like, I was never going to give up. If they left, I would have looked for new members because I, I wasn't willing to give up because mm. I, I wanted to make music. If the guys leave tomorrow, I'll be devastated because they're my best friends, you know? But I'll carry on making music. Like, I'm not going to stop, you know, idols won't be a thing because it wouldn't be idols, but, you know, I still make music. Um, but yeah, like we were just in a place where we weren't making the music that we wanted. It was before Meet, really. There was a period before Meet, the second EP, where we were just like... It wasn't quite our voice or our dialect, artistically speaking. I think there was something missing, and it was a bravery, to be honest. That's where it comes from. I think, I'm not saying we're brave, we're confident. We're confident in our honesty now. You've just got to learn to be yourself and enjoy yeah. yourself and love yourself for who you are, all scars and all. And um, we did. And as soon as we did, I found I could be funny in songs, and it's okay to be funny. I thought that, like, humor is something that you don't do if you want to be taken seriously actually humour is a fucking great vehicle for portraying evil thoughts and portraying depression and anger and hatred you can you can use humour as a not as a dampener but as a a more uh, democratic way of, of discussing something really dark and it opens up discussions and then you can move on from the yeah. humour and then it becomes a, a respectful thing. Like, I just think that... I realise from like Stuart Lee and pl places like that, you know, using repetition and using humour as a tool to really get to the, the dark bones of situations is, yeah. is great. And it was something... But I never thought of using humour and things like that before brutalism. And then I realised, you know, what the fuck? There's no, there's no harm. you just got to be yourself. And we all did. And then we all enjoyed each other more because we trusted each other as musicians and friends more because we were all being honest individually and then it all just kind of started from there and it hasn't stopped. I mean, you just spoke on comedy. Is, are, they the, is, are you a massive comedic, like, comic fan? No, like, really. no you're just I'm, not I, a fan. I, just, I, I think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love Stuart Lee. Yeah. Um, I like Mitch Hedberg. I love Mitch Hedberg. Um... Yeah, there's a few comedians out there, but like Will Ferrell. I know that sounds really sad. It's just like that kind of jock humour, but Will Ferrell's. Hey man, Old School genius. is an amazing film, so I won't have anyone uh, shitting on uh, Will Ferrell. Stepbrothers is quite funny as well. Yeah, I like. I just like. Do you know what I like about it? Is that like you can tell that those two are fucking very intelligent people, um, and pained and old and and withered in ways. But they have this such joyous, ridiculous humour that fills you with, like, a loving laugh. 
you know you want to be their friend and I think that's that's a great it's, that's an inclusive way of viewing the world that like you know like Step Brothers is really funny but it's also quite warming and I think that's great if you can make people laugh and and cry at the same time it's a, it's a fucking it's a genius that's a skill that is yeah, a, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we were going to do this interview uh, I'll put it on social media if people want to ask you questions and for some reason people are obsessed with your feet for some reason I've got like six, seven questions about uh-huh. your feet is there a reason because people have you spoken about feet on stage or are these just um, feet fetish kind of people no I, got, I, I was born with club feet I had like 11 operations on my feet really? yeah oh, so right. I was 8 years old I had 11 corrective operations um, so I have small feet they look like fucking pig's knuckles. They're disgusting feet. Um, but they don't smell to the to the joys of my girlfriend. Bad mates. And bad mates, I'm guessing, if you're not... Oh, fuck them. They stink. <laughs> um, no, no, they don't, actually. Just just a couple of them smell in, in increments. But, yeah, so I was... Uh, yeah, that's it. I have, I have uh, club feet. Okay. And I, I can't jump. I have no Achilles tendons. So, like, there's not much, there's hardly, there's about a half an inch of movement up and down in my feet. Hey, that's all you need, it's half an inch. It is. Uh, yeah. Um, so, okay, so I'm going to throw some Twitter questions at you, if that's okay. And these oh, are people... Fuck, really? People yeah, have... man. People have asked. Okay. So, Zero, I, I always like it when people actually read out the actual Twitter handle. I always make sure like, Twitter underscore, 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 can't even do it properly. Twitter underscore fawn underscore zero. What is he saying in the middle of the song, A Date Night? Are they actual lyrics, or is it meant to be a manic punk scat? It's not meant to be a manic punk scat. I didn't know. I didn't. I was supposed to write lyrics for it, but I didn't write them in time. Okay. So, so it's, just, it's just whatever was on the top of your head and just shout yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes during gigs as well. Okay. So, so he- listen out for that, Fawn Zero. Heavy lungs? <laughs> yeah. Ask him about the white trouser story. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can tell you after this. Okay. No, um, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm really interested now. Um, Ryan Hudson, 2009, said, what's the weirdest venue you've ever played in? Um, Stoke, Sugar Mill, or whatever it's called. It's a normal venue. It's a really great venue, actually. But um, it was just a really horrid ambience in there like the crowd just looked everyone in there looked like they fucking hated us it was so weird like I just remember why are they here they don't we just on this tour and all the gigs have been amazing like you know filling out rooms we never dream of filling out before it's like that first tour where that happened yeah 
And like we just went to this sugar mill, I think it's called. And like they just looked like they hated us from the start. I was just like, what the fuck have we done? I thought someone might have posted something online saying like, fuck Stoke, but they didn't. <laughs> so, um, apart from that, I don't know. That, weird venues. I don't know. Those questions always like, what's a weird, like, I don't know. Weird venue. I mean, it's all... So, oh, The Hobbit in in uh, in Portsmouth or Southampton. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they <laughs> would love, love that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm shit with names. That's why I said that. Um, I still don't know. There's a pub called The Hobbit. There's Hobbit themes. And they've got loads of, like, shot cocktails that are named after characters from Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. That's pretty weird. That is pretty weird. Uh, I mean, it's, we, we haven't... We haven't done anything out of the ordinary like that. Would we you, we you, have. Under a church, there's a crypt. We played in a crypt with coasts of all bands. Um, yeah, that was cool. It's in Bristol. I was going to say, it, oh, is it in it's, a, it's okay. St. Peter's Church. Um, it's a real big church. Yeah. Like, almost cathedral size. Um, and underneath, they've just got this massive crypt that's been whitewashed, like, painted white. Yeah. It looks great. It's Amazing. a great space. Um, Paul Dot Redford has asked, uh, with the release of album number two looming uh, over your shoulder this year, yeah. have you changed the stylistic direction or have you stuck with the trend and true formula of brutalism? Um, uh, second album. Yeah, we, it, it's similar in the sense that you definitely know it's us. Our rhythm section are very much our rhythm section. Um, it's more guitar lines on this. You know, there's a bit... It, what we've got is more time and money. So what you're hearing in the songs is just more time and attention spent on the production. So hopefully it will just sound like um, a progressive version of the first album in that it's still idols, but our songwriting is better, I'd say. Lyrically, I'm the same, you know? because it's me yeah you're not, um, not different change. subjects um, I'm like the worst person to ask really I don't fucking pay attention to that stuff <laughs> but yeah no it is it, I mean you can tell it's us we're not we're not changing direction um, but we're expanding and we're like we're, we're a bit more considered post recording yeah so like once we've recorded the songs live we've got more time to just make sure they sound as good as they can that's that's it that's it I mean you just signed to Partizan Records yes. um, how did that come about and also what, what other labels were sniffing around um, I don't want to say actually okay, I don't fine. think it's fair to say who was sniffing around um, just because I think it's I like because it's not a slight on them mm. like they were great labels and the people we met were lovely um, but we went with Partizan because uh, the people involved um, we're just very much on the same level as where we are uh, mentally. Yeah. Not like you know they they're, they just have ideas that pushed our ideas beyond where we were going, which is great. It was an inspiring interaction with them. We were inspired to do more that wasn't necessarily conquer the world. It was just pushing our art in a new direction, which is great. And like. We didn't need the money in the UK and Europe. We don't. We can do that ourselves. It's, it's beyond there that we... Just, it's just inspirational avenues. Like, 
So the, the other labels were very much down the route of where most labels would try and take us, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. where we need to go. And like, you know, I think we can't look to lean on an infrastructure that wasn't there to support us in the first place. It just doesn't work like that. So have you got a date release and a title in your mind yet? Yes and yes. Don't want to tell? No. Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, so what, what are your expectations then for 2018 like, and moving into 2019? Uh, Do you think that far ahead or no, is it literally no, not, not, month no, by month? Not month by month. We've got, we always have a six-month plan yep. because we, we never used to, obviously, because things change when you don't have lots of opportunities. But um, now... Um, it wouldn't be healthy as an artist for uh, for this period to be thinking too far ahead because mm-hmm. it's not fair to your, your current projects to keep going further and further away from what you're doing now. It's also not fair to your audiences. Yep. Um, I'm For the next six months, we're investing everything we have emotionally and, and logistically into brutalism uh, in America, the rest of the world. And then the transitional period between first and second album in the UK and Europe and working as a band to make sure that we are the best we can be live so that the albums are, are, are given justice. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to work our asses off at making sure we're the best band we can be for our audiences. Um, and that, that can only ever be six months, I think, because... You know, any more than that and you're just greedy <laughs> I think we should leave it at that um, cool perfect uh, I wish you all the best with thank the album thank you very much and, it's lovely uh, to meet you it's nice to meet you too and uh, when you're lording over everyone else we'll do this again hopefully great cheers man thank you very much thank you to joe for taking the time to hang out with me uh, idols have shows in the uk and america coming up so check them out our time is coming to an end so i will leave you with this do you tell your friends about this podcast you don't but why not are you ashamed of me
Are you ashamed of the love that we have? Don't be. Get them involved. Let's make punk love together. While you're at it, go rate and review the podcast. It helps other punks find the pod. And together we grow. As always, follow the podcast on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Punks in Pubs. It's come to that time where I hand over the podcast to you. And this week, I hand it over to a band from the East End of my nation's capital, London. These guys are called Sister Ray. And this song is called Algorithm Prison. That's it from me. Don't forget, if you are going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Until next time, bye-bye. We don't run in circles with no direction. Oh, so sharp, every imperfection. Live your 